Welcome, everybody. It's time once again to grab your board, paddle out, catch a wave. Right, that sales pipeline with Matt Hines from Hines Marketing. Hey, Matt. How are we doing, Paul? Well, I feel like I really am uh, paddling in the surf here today. It's raining in Southern California, and that's a rarity. You know, I was talking to someone, maybe it was you last week, we were talking about the rain in Southern California, that some people, when it rains, they just they just cancel their plans. <laughs> that's people it. They cancel like, their appointments. They say, the heck with it. I'll wait till tomorrow. By then, it'll surely clear up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't, obviously, in Seattle, nobody cancels their plans because of the rain. Uh, we have been getting a lot of snow mm. um, uh, in the mountains in particular, and, uh, you know, that freaks people out. People don't know how to drive in the, in the rain in Seattle, really, let alone driving in the snow. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, when, you know, we get the lowlands snow it really kind of screws us up well see weather just throws everybody off and and it probably throws sales projections off and stuff i remember reading uh, a year ago when they had some big snowstorms back east and the whole national economy took a dump because trucks couldn't get through and other things you know it's just crazy well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I you know you know back in the day when I was running marketing inside of startups, you know we'd have inside sales team, and if it snowed and we had a sort of a quote unquote snow day, meaning people couldn't get into the office, you know that was a big deal. I mean, you got to get people on the phones, and this is back when you couldn't just dial in from your home. You didn't yeah. have a VoIP phone; you could just plug in wherever. Um, you know, not getting people in the office to make calls was a big deal, and so you, you know you got to. You got to pay attention to that, but uh, well, let's. Uh, you know, we could talk about the weather, Paul, <laughs> but we for, can't do anything about it. All we can do is no, talk we about can't, it. You can't do anything about the weather, but you can do something about your sales, and that's what we're here to talk about. So, thanks everyone for joining us, Sales Pipeline Radio. How do you like that transition? If you're listening to us live, uh, thank you very much for joining us. We are live every Thursday at two thirty Eastern, eleven thirty Pacific. You can also catch us on the podcast. So, for those of you listening and subscribing on the podcast, thank you very much. You can get us on the the iTunes Store and Google Play anytime, and of course, all of our Episodes are available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. We uh, are featuring throughout this series sales and marketing leaders who have interesting things to say. We've got speakers, we've got authors, influencers, and as much as possible, especially in 2017, we're featuring practitioners. We're featuring the, the, the people that are operating sales and marketing in the trenches, doing the hard work, um, that understand that the sausage getting made isn't always pretty, uh, but are trying to f- innovate and figure that out. And We've got with us today a very special guest, Sherry Johnson, who is the Senior Vice President uh, of Marketing at Radius and has an illustrious career uh, in marketing. At some point, we're going to talk about Santa.com, I promise. But before we get to that, we'll talk a few other things. Sherry, thanks so much for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks for having me, Matt. Happy to be here. Awesome. I mean, I feel like there's a there's a bunch of different areas we could take this discussion. I mean, just based on your your background, demand gen in the marketing and technology space. Um, but the one place I think is, you know, we're sitting here. It's it's already technically late January, if we can all believe it. And so, you know, the 2017 is well underway. Uh, as you look at the year, as you look at what's important to B2B marketing, and as you think about how you are driving the marketing strategy at Radius. What are some of the places that you're seeing particular focus? Where are the places that you're putting bets on to drive marketing results in 2017? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I think year over year, this year is no, no different than any others that marketing has pressure to really help scale the organization, especially in a startup that I'm in. And um, so we're, you know, we're continuing to have pressure on driving more greater greater value for our marketing dollars and at a more rapid pace um, so you know that that you know in my mind obviously tends to draw people to quick win tactics 
Um, but I, I'm a big firm believer that there there is really no silver bullet, and you know, we, we do need to develop a real well orchestrated machine throughout the the uh, your engine to really draw prospects into successful customers and customers into successful advocates. While there's no silver bullet, I am definitely doubling down in some areas specifically that we have just drawn um, significant ROI on from last year. Um, and, you know, some of those areas are in, especially back in the, in the field marketing space, we've seen quite a bit of, of success where we're at in an organization, just driving that education, building that trust with our customers, getting that face-to-face connection has, has been successful in, in helping drive and scale the organization. Well, I love to hear you know some of the things you're saying in terms of where you're focused. I love to hear the life cycle marketing approach, where it's not just about getting you know new new customers in the boat, but also turning them into advocates and ensuring that you're doing the right things across the business. I mean, you know, that, that that really requires an integrated approach, not just in who you're selling to and how you're marketing, but also uh, customer communication, customer success, product marketing, etc. What are some of the some of the best practices you see working to, that, that can help? B2B companies, you know, continue to innovate and be successful and proactive on the acquisition side, but really to take a full life cycle, full lifetime value approach to the customer? Yeah, good question. You know, for us, I, I see a lot of success in really instilling the core personas and the core buyer um, as a something that's front and center in the in the organization. I, I just went on site to a customer yesterday who I thought was doing a really great job at this uh, Infusionsoft where, where they have their, their four key personas blown up life size with key, you know, what they look like, what their job is, what their day-to-day is, at, to, to really kind of help instill within the entire organization what these people deal with on a regular basis and help create that empathy throughout, whether it be on the sales side, whether it be on the marketing side, all the way through customer success. I, you know, I think it's very key that people understand who your core audience is to, to help drive that full customer life cycle. And that bleeds all the way into how you message your emails to, to engage with them better, to you know, how you create a onboarding program for your customers that will resonate with them and on how you go, go to market with them and sell to them to 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 create compelling value propositions. Uh, so that was something that was really compelling that I, uh, you know, we've, we've touched on here, maybe not done as good a job as our customer infusion soft, but uh, would like to uh, continue to drive that through the organization. Well, we can always get better at those things. And I think, you know, I'm excited to hear more people talk about the, you know, lifetime marketing opportunity with customers and what that can mean across the business and really what it means in terms of marketing continuing to evolve its leadership role in the overall organization. Uh, you mentioned earlier the pace of marketing and, you know, you're a veteran of a number of early stage companies. And so I, you know, I know you are used to the, not only the fast pace of marketing, but also the, uh, sh- the, the expectation cycles, shall we say, uh, of how marketing can deliver. Talk, talk a little bit about what, what it takes to run and execute marketing in that fast-paced environment where, you know, you're expecting and hoping and the entire company wants fast results, but that doesn't always jive with buying cycles, doesn't always jive with just, you know, what it takes to do marketing right. How do you, how do you balance that tension? Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, I think for, for me it, it is a one of the biggest struggles that I, I, I see us trying to tackle as marketers is, 
is really painting that big complex picture that is the the buyer's journey and articulating the value. If you just focus completely on the demand gen piece, on the conversion piece, that you'll soon fall short on 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 really creating that life cycle, uh, customer lifecycle value that we talked about, as well as is your diminishing returns if you're just focused on one area of the funnel. Um, so really trying to, in, in my organizations, look at the buyer's journey. So we, when we have a good closed one deal that comes about, we'll, we'll paint a picture of the, their digital life cycle and really help educate the organization on all of the touch points these people went through to get from A to B. Uh, and I think that helps understand that we can't just really, there's not this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, email is working, let's just double down on that, or ads are working, let's just double down on that. It's really very unlikely in in B2B marketing that it's a single thread that is helping move your buyer through the buyer's journey. Well, it's not. It's you, you're right. You know, in most B two B environments, you don't have a one call close, and so it's multiple threads, a complex cycle. And if you believe CEB, you know, we now have you know six to seven people involved in the buying committee. So there's an orchestration required inside of organizations. You know, I, I don't know whether you know. You, you, some people think of this as account based marketing. I just think of it as the reality of sales and marketing today. As this process becomes more complex externally. What do you have to do as a marketing leader, especially you know, coordinating with your sales organization, to to better manage that process and do that in a way that is scalable and repeatable across a growing team? Yeah, really good question. Uh, yeah, as you probably know, I'm a big ABM advocate. Um, have definitely had a lot of success with with an ABM strategy. You know, in, in to your to your point earlier, you know, I kind of. We talk about it as this new fad that's coming about, but in all honesty, it's, it's sort of how sales has been operating since the dawn of time. They've all had, always had key account lists on their side. In my mind, it's really just helping bridge the gap between sales and marketing and align them more clearly, and I feel better about what I'm doing. If I know I'm delivering campaign engagement or an opportunity to an account they've already identified that they want, that feels a lot better than me throwing over a whole lot of opportunities or leads that that likely or, or will, much of which will fall short and, and just actually eats up the sales reps' resources and, and time and, and doesn't really prove results. So, you know, ABM has been something that uh, I've, I've certainly implemented it the last three organizations and, and have had a lot of success with in terms of just helping increase our average deal size, decrease the sales cycle, and then just increase conversion rates all the way through. Uh, so it's been been something we're definitely I put in place in, in at uh, Radius this last year, and, and we're definitely doubling down on. Um, and then back to your point of you know it, it does get even more complex. So when we think about all right, not only we have these accounts, but we also have you know, six or eight buyers that have different needs within that account. So um, you know this year we're even focused even more bespoke tailored account strategies to really high-value accounts that our sales and marketing teams have developed uh, a list of, of these these kind of high-value accounts that we feel we could really add value to. So that'll be really interesting to see. Um, and in a different, a different uh, lens for marketing where I would say, you know, five, seven years ago, we were all very focused on this volume approach. So from going from, hey, I delivered 8,000 
you know, hand raises or leads this quarter to, wow, I did three bespoke campaigns to really highly tar- targeted strategic accounts with custom content is a different conversation and is something that even at a at a uh, progressive company like Radius, we, we've definitely had to have some change management around. Yeah, I want to talk a lot more about that because I think, you know, what you're describing in terms of moving from a volume game in marketing to you know, showing how many more leads you can generate, having that chart that goes to the, you know, the board that shows up into the right lead volume more and more and more and more. That's not in, in many cases that could be counterproductive to generating the revenue and sales that you want. So I, I definitely want to get talk more about that. Talk about the cultural changes that are sometimes involved in helping organizations, helping sales, helping executive team, helping a board rethink how to look at what marketing is doing more on a quality versus a quantity standpoint. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a lot more with Sherry Johnson, the SVP of marketing for Radius. We're going to talk more about uh, integrating with sales. Talk about changing the mindset and culture of how marketing thinks and a revenue response. Away, and we're definitely going to talk about Santa.com. We'll be right back. Sales Pipeline Radio. Whether you're producing a seminar series, user's conference, lunch and learn, or exhibiting at a trade show, Validar has a solution. From capturing leads at trade shows to managing on-site registration, tracking session attendance, gathering information, and providing sponsors lead retrieval, we have a full suite of solutions for you. Since 2005, Validar has been turning corporate events and trade shows into better business. Call 888-784-2929 or visit us at Validar.com. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z, marketing.com. All right. Oh, wow. What was that? See, the rain's even affecting our audio here today. Here, <laughs> Back to uh, Matt and his guest. You got your own soundboard over there that can get your own guitar effects on your microphone. I can actually here. I hit the wrong button there. I got all sorts of <laughs> echo effects I can put on this. <laughs> got to get me one of those. Oh, well, thanks very much again for listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. If you like what you hear, you can definitely check out more of what we're doing, salespipelineradio.com. Make sure you check us out in the next few weeks. we got some great guests coming up next week, last for a for official Thursday, well, not just last official, last Thursday of the month in January, got John Miller, who is the, one of the co-founders of Marketo and is the founder of Engageo. Speaking of account-based marketing, he and his team are doing some interesting work there. Week following that, we've got David Primer, who is the vice president of sales at Influitive. We'll be talking about uh, kicking off the year right and you know what happens after the sales kickoff. You get the sales kickoff, everyone gets excited. Then you go back to work and 
fire drills and reality abounds. So how do you make sure you continue the momentum and excitement from sales kickoffs? And in a couple weeks after that, we've got Lauren Vaccarello, who's the vice president of marketing at Box. We're going to be talking a lot about software as a service, sales and marketing and how to do that effectively. Today, still very excited. Uh, got some more time with Sherry Johnson, the SVP of marketing at Radius. And before we get back into kind of revenue responsibility and metrics and, and culture changes based on what you're doing, um, so if you go to Santa.com today, it is this really cool tool that allows your kids to get text messages from Santa. Um, imagine that might not have been what you were working on uh, in the Wayback Machine. So can, it, just, it, it, stuck, it stuck out to me, obviously, on your resume. So I want to just hear what that was all about. Yeah, definitely an interesting uh, part of my career. I was a Pacific Northwesterner like yourself living in Portland and decided to, you know, head down and ride this dot-com wave that was happening in the Bay Area. And, you know, that was my first job in the Bay Area. It was a consumer-based site, really, you know, no revenue model to speak of, uh, but a lot of funding. We, we had a parade in downtown San Francisco with Christina Aguilera. We had television spots, but it was it was a really interesting time. But as you might imagine, with with no revenue model, um, it, it quickly went downhill, and, and obviously it was a very long time ago. Aging myself here, and believe nineteen ninety nine. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, you know. I feel like those of us that were around, you know, back then, especially those of us that are on our resumes, you know, have some term around 1999, 2000, you know, some .com on our resumes. I don't know. We should write a book. We should write a me- – we should all write like a joint memoir uh, from some of the silly things that, you know, that we did in, in the name of growing a business that had no business model. I, you know, there's a lot of interesting stories out there. Definitely. Uh, well, let's get back to uh, sort of task at hand. I mean, you, you spent, you know, since since the Santa.com holiday parade, I mean, you've been at Sun, you've been at um, you've been at Demand Base, you've, you've been at you've been at basically been at Cisco. And so, I mean, you've spent years now sort of honing what marketing is doing well and your team at Radius is doing some great work. We, we were before the break. We were talking a little bit about culture shifts and the way that marketing not only thinks about it and operates from a marketing standpoint, but the way they communicate their value. Have what, were there any growing pains or I guess like migration pains as you moved the way marketing's proceed from a volume based story to a quality and conversion based story? Was that difficult for even sort of sales counterparts, let alone you know C suite and board to to understand and get behind? Definitely. I, I think on both sides, frankly. Uh, you know, on the on the sales side, they're, that's just what they're, they've been used to. That's what, what they expect marketing is, is a volume game, and they, they want more and more and more. And, of course, they want quality as well, but that's a bit, bit more ambiguous to measure. Um, so that's definitely a change, a management issue that, that I've, I've tried to solve by, by doing pilots and, and really focusing on a couple of key territories with, with an ABM model is showing some success and then helping roll it out throughout the organization. But even on the marketing side, um, you know, I, I think pe- some marketers are, are really grasped not only to, to what they know and, and what they feel comfortable with, uh, as well as a, a measure is a lot easier to explain of, hey, I'm doing my job, I delivered X, um, but also the, the issue around you know them them having to to explain this more complex system that they're offering and value that they're offering through through ABM. So you know I think on both sides of the fence it really was a, a change management side on on the sales and marketing side to to get everyone aligned and, and thinking differently than than just a volume approach. 
Yeah, I mean, it's in it, it definitely for a lot of people we talk to about this. It's a work in progress. You know, I mean, not only sort of you know changing the culture, uh, how you communicate it, but then how you do it. I mean, I, I've I've you know worked in companies where you know there's there's a revenue goal attached to marketing, but you'll have some but uh, someone in marketing that isn't willing to increase their their cost per lead um, because that's what they manage. Even if increasing their cost per lead could actually go after the right prospects, get the right prospects in, and actually increase the the contribution of marketing into the pipeline. Um, I mean, you know, do you, do you see remnants of that? Is that a is that a cultural change? Is that does that does that require hiring new people with different perspectives into marketing? Like, you know, how do people start to migrate that better? You know, into 2017. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think to your point, you know, an ABM approach is is really effective, uh, or a, a a targeted approach is only effective if everyone's really on board. Uh, if some people are still on a volume game approach and, and some are, are focused on different goals, uh, you're, you're going to get very mixed results. You know, the other change management issue I, I find very prominent in these high-growth companies, including my own, is you know, you, you'll get everyone on the same page, which seems in, in a triumph in of it itself of here's our model, here's, here's where we're at, everyone's on board, we're seeing initial success. But in a fast-paced company, we lots of times bring in, rightfully so, new leadership to help scale the organization that lots of times you have to resell or re-educate on this new process that they may not be used to and that's, that's not the lens that they have measured or or looked at before. Uh, you know, a lot of there, – there's still a definite consensus or a different opinion that, that – you know, marketing only controls the top of the funnel and then therefore shouldn't be responsible for metrics in the sales world. Um, and, and I think that's something that, that it takes education to overcome that, hey, as we're progressing as marketers, well, you know, th- this is a more progressive approach to, to doing things and, and think, frankly produces a lot better value for the organization as a whole. But what I found is a lot of marketing organizations and executives who <clears throat> begin to embrace that revenue responsibility and naturally kind of pushes them in the direction of, of doing more sales enablement work. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a natural for marketing to provide value further into the funnel. Sometimes uh, that ends up, you know, generating some turf battles between sales and marketing or sales isn't used to marketing providing that value. And there can be some feet stepped on. What does sales enablement look like for you guys, and how do you think about that role in conjunction with your sales counterparts? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one one nuance here that's kind of interesting that I'm seeing more and more of to to help with that issue. And you know, I think there's there's positives and negatives to it. But at, but at Radius, we the we all roll up, and sales and marketing rolls up to our COO. So we functionally are all actually in the same organization. Um, which, you know, I think helps create alignment in that we really are sort of forced to align under the, under the same management. Uh, but, you know, there's also, there, there's still the, the, the natural battle of, of throwing that, that, that handoff needing to be uh, seamless and, and the contention between that does not necessarily go away just with the, with the uh, work structure change. Um, so, yeah, sales enablement for sure is, is something that um, you know I've seen actually in my organizations be a bit batted back and forth between between the organizations. I uh, I take up an approach on that the the lens 
uh, is typically better seen through the functional organization that it's coming out of. So, for instance, my organization is very focused on strategy. We're not necessarily a great services organization. So while we create uh, sales enablement for um, the core sales enablement function uh, of, of data sheets, our, our presentations, all of our core assets, the, the bespoke and tailored messaging is done by the individual groups. So we have sales enablement structured to do that more tailored uh, approach for one-off requests in the sales group and then same on the customer success side um, where, where a more service-oriented one-off request uh, structure is needed. Awesome. Well, I want to thank our guest today, Sherry Johnson, SVP of Marketing at Radius. Thanks so much for joining us. These times always go so fast. Uh, we uh, run out of time very quickly in a half-hour show. But thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you want to hear from Sherry again, uh, you can definitely hear a recap or a replay on demand at salespipelineradio.com. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, uh, join us live any Thursday at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, or subscribe to the podcast iTunes uh, store and Google Play. Thanks very much on behalf of Sherry and our and fine producer Paul. This is Matt Hines. Thanks for listening. Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio, the only show that takes a look at how to build and sustain a pipeline. With Matt Hines from Hines Marketing. 